0: Hello, I'm Kenza, and this is the Finding Space Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Finding Space Podcast. This week, I talk to British rower and multiple world medalist, Emily Craig. We talk about her journey through GB rowing, her battle with depression, how she's managed her recovery with the help of coaching, and building up to her first Olympic Games. We join the conversation as Emily talks about leaving university and joining up with the British rowing team in Caversham. Enjoy!
1: And yeah, basically moved moved out of London, um, came to Henley and then went into training full-time. I ended up, um, I did struggle a bit, I was very homesick for, for UL actually <laughs> when I first moved here. I think it was a bit difficult coming in the sort of last year of an Olympiad where like everybody was sort of very much established in the team. And I was like a little bit younger than everyone, kind of um, quite shy generally to like in a new environment. So kind of that was a bit challenging. Um, and also it wasn't on much funding. So I ended up working in a hat shop, <laughs> which was great. Um, so that was sort of my first year of, um, First year of being in the team and it was kind of still really exciting because it was like, oh, I'm going living my dream. Like, I'm being paid to row. I'm at Caversham. I've made it. This is the best. Like, every day I'd turn up and it'd be like wind and rain. I'd be like, oh, my God, it's so great being here. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know why all these people are so miserable. This place is great. Oh, it's just so wonderful. Um, And then uh, went to Worlds, the non-Olympic Worlds and the quad again and we got one better than the silver last year we won uh and then came back and I very much found out why everyone (laughs) was miserable because the magic had sort of worn off a little bit the novelty was was gone and I kind of had like a little bit of a oh god like what am I going to do I'm not good enough to make the double all I can do is go back into the quad and if we don't win then It's like one worse. Um, So that's when I had like sort of my first big like uh, mental health sort of crisis. I don't know. Um, So so by Christmas 2016, I ended up being diagnosed with severe depression and kind of then had to deal with all that to get back on track. And
0: was that a specific reaction to coming down from a high of winning or was it more of coming back and feeling like oh we've just got to do it all again
1: um i think there was a lot of factors i think um like the sort of feeling a little bit lost with motivation definitely didn't help there was some other stuff going on um uh, like with my flatmate and like home and i think it kind of all got away from me so I think like kind of all those things just ended up building up and up and up. And then I had a, a pretty grim time, um, racing the December trials. Um, basically like couldn't think about rowing. Um, couldn't get my thoughts away from anything that wasn't quite dark. Um, and kind of got off the water and thought, right, actually, I have to, I have to do something about this cause I can't keep, I can't keep doing this. Uh, so then, ended up going to see the team doctor and then kind of the stuff that db rowing have like in place kind of got put into motion um i mean the that route kind of took a bit too long for me Mm -hmm. what actually really helped was um i got a coaching job and that was just uh really nice because even though it was rowing they didn't care like also helped cement like that. I actually know what I'm talking about with rowing. I think, um I think I never, I'd never had to like coach anyone or like I'd never really been in say the bow seat. And when I'd been in the team, I was always sort of like technically the worst, like always the one that was like, "Come on, straighten your arms." um And actually it gave me a bit more perspective of like actually I do know how a rowing stroke works. I do know what it should look like. I do you know what's going wrong there and it also helped change the way I thought when I was sculling around the lake and kind of gave me a bit more insight into my own sculling um but yeah, kind of having that place to go somewhere else in an evening and just take me out of Henley take me away from everywhere kind of I think was the the main thing that kind of started bringing me out of the the dark place
0: you know you you must have been used to being around coaches telling you and and other maybe rowers telling you sort of giving you tips and things like that and and helping you through but to have the ability to step back and start to understand your own rowing technique or your own physical fitness or your own mental well-being is such a hard thing to do and it sounds like that just experience of watching other people do it and helping them had a a good effect on on you
1: yeah and i think it helped give me a bit more perspective on like when darren's getting really frustrated at me (laughs) i'm (laughs) like oh yeah that is like he he has a point um i mean i have to remind myself about that sometimes (laughs) (laughs) but um I think it's always it's always really important making sure you have the ability to see something from someone else's perspective and that certainly helped um on days when we maybe clashing a little bit.
0: <laughs> and so during that period you had so you just come back from a victory and and what was this period time period of sort of going into the coaching and
1: So um so world was like August, September, came back to training like September, October, um, December trials was like the kind of low point. I think I started coaching in March. Um, yeah, I kind of had like, uh, so, um, they always used to take, and we still do take four lightweight women on like, GB tra- training camps abroad, and I was always sort of like fifth or sixth. So, in January of that year, I had a really fun land camp on my own at Leander, <laughs> which um, maybe I mean kind of helped. I think also gave me a bit of like time and space and like my own focus. Um, so yeah, I guess like over a couple of months, and then um, kind of April was back in good enough shape to kind of have an all right performance of final trials. Um, I was kind of like getting there and then, uh, things took a little bit of a weird turn, um, where out of mostly pure luck, I would say, I mean, that's what I would say. Uh, I ended up in the double for Europeans. Um, so Charlie took a step back from rowing, um, and, they put me in with Kat sort of 10 days before the event and we'd somehow got bronze and then I kind of ended up staying the double that season and it was so I pretty much went from like depression and all of that to then like savage imposter syndrome.
0: Oh wow. <laughs>
1: like, um, that was probably the main challenge of that where I had Darren and Kat like, um, and I was sort of like that. I like, oh my god, what am I doing here? Like these people both won the Olympics, and I'm like, crap.
0: <laughs> like I
1: don't know what I'm doing. I'm only here because there was no one else.
0: But you'd suddenly sort of had this success, and, and you know, suddenly thinking, oh wow, is was that going through that imposter syndrome and sort of thinking oh, I shouldn't be here? Is that? that's something that's genuinely i mean i know it's sort of we laugh about it but is that genuinely quite a difficult thing to deal with or is it something that you were just like oh actually no this is this is kind of cool and i will progress through
1: oh no it was like oh god at any moment they're gonna be like get out <laughs> <laughs> get out you're useless um i think uh it was also a lot of it was managing um Kat and I'm sure Kat and Darren won't mind me saying they didn't have the best working relationship. They didn't get on fantastically well every time. And then some of it was managing that um, a very big learning ter- curve in terms of um, managing a crew and managing a team like a small team and getting the best out of all of us. And to be fair, in the end, I think at Worlds, we did get the best result we could have done like. I certainly wasn't physically like the athlete that I am now. Um, like I, I'm under no illusions of, I'm not like, I don't look back on it and think, oh no, actually I, I was better than, than I thought I was. No, no, yeah. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I was very much like, like doing a lot of learning that summer.
0: And I guess, you know, everyone has times in their life, whatever job, or thing they're doing that they have periods where it's like, oh crap! I'm really learning on the job here. Like yeah. I've fallen into this. <laughs> like, and, I I'm out of out my depth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and that sometimes I imagine means you accelerate at a, a speed that you probably wouldn't have if you hadn't had that.
1: Experience. Yeah, I mean, I certainly learned a lot about like just racing in the double and the double as an event. went and it was obviously a fantastic opportunity for the rest of the olympiad like having that kind of experience and then sort of once you've raced in a crew it's kind of you have a bit more confidence to be like oh i can get in this boat again and hopefully stay in it until the olympics
0: (laughs) and do you think you'd obviously come off that period that was quite difficult and going through sort of depression and maybe understanding yourself a bit more but then going and coaching and you you then got to this point where you'd gone and won bronze and you'd sort of uh, almost not a new path but you're on a, a trajectory um do you think having that experience helped you improve or it was just something that sort of helped you get back to
1: i mean i say like it was really stressful and all of that but it was really exciting and um like a really great challenge and i i love a challenge so i think i guess if one of the reasons why the sort of depression happened in the first place was feeling like oh well, i've got no like goal or like thing to get my teeth into like there certainly was that like oh god i've got to like step up i've got to really like really up my game here um I think Darren does quite a good job of being like, well, we're going to focus on this for now and then we're going to move away from that and we're going to focus on this. So like, we'll have this time in the double. But, he's like, we don't want the double to get too good before Christmas. Like, we want to have some time in singles. We like, we don't want to peak it in January and then get to July and be like, oh.
0: So as a mere sort of mortal myself, trying to un- understand this, but um, I guess you you put it in a much better way there of, it's redirecting training rather than um sort of just simply going through and hitting targets you're saying like right let's work on this let's move over here
1: yeah so we might have a block where we're like right well we're going to pull this split on the erg for our ut2 and like we're gonna get that down and make that that or we're gonna have a really big focus on weights here so we're gonna back off with what we do on the ut2 sort of thing um i mean that helped over lockdown for me. I um, had like blocks where I'd have a bit of a focus on one thing and then, so like four week blocks of one thing, another thing, um, like towards the end, we were allowed back out on the water and I was like, okay, right. Well, I've done the work on the ERG, I've got a PB on my 2K, I've got a PB on my half hour, I can go sculling again. The ERG can kind of take a back seat and like actually the water work's gonna be my focus now. And I think when I, I mean, lockdown was like, us 16 and a half weeks between like when it happened and our, our break i think that certainly helped me get through that and make sure like i mean there were days where i was like oh god this is a nightmare as i'm sure everyone did <laughs> but it certainly helped keep it slightly more fresh and less soul destroying
0: yeah uh, and and i guess going back to that sort of yeah, it's like a redirection and, and giving your sort of mind something else to sort of try and work out and try and yeah. understand and, and challenge yourself. And you, you sort of said that you had just forgotten about maybe the depression because you were suddenly falling into these stresses, which were positive stresses as in rowing. Um, but do you think you understood more maybe triggers or warning signs of how you would maybe spiral and maybe then have to step away.
1: Yeah, um, and that definitely massively helped. So 2018 and 2019, I had these two fairly uh, disruptive injuries. Uh, So 2018 was my hips um, would basically give me random back spasms. So I'd be rowing along and then like my back would go with no warning and then I, I say go like the light like, couldn't walk oh really <laughs> like, really bad how, how would you get out the boat <laughs> so it was happen? basically just like um the worst one was uh it was the Saturday of Henley we weren't racing at Henley we were just training and we did a burst as warm-up for a piece and it just like gone like had to sort of sit there like uh, whilst Ellie rode us in and then um I just remember like being in the physio room with uh Kyle the physio like rubbing an ice cube on my back <laughs> I just lay there the height of technology well, <laughs> yeah. um yeah that wasn't very fun at all and couldn't like yeah I was like like an old person trying to get up like for the next few days um and then 2019 I had like intersection syndrome which is like a tendonitis in my right wrist and ended up having that operated on so that whole kind of uh, yeah that was just a nightmare ended up like missing final trials had to race my way back into the double um and then got back in the double and then a whole load of other stuff happened (laughs) which is also stressful um where basically Uh, got back in the double with Ellie who i had been in the double with the previous year, we raced at the third world cup. It was a bit disappointing. I think both of us were a bit mentally and physically exhausted. Ellie was dealing with a bit of a rib injury and then we were due to go on training camp the day before they decided, well, they diagnosed Ellie as having a stress fracture in her ribs, so she couldn't race. Um, and I would be racing the double with Imogen. And it was six weeks until Worlds, and we had to come top seven to qualify for the Olympics.
0: And for people that don't know, is that that know, is not
1: a long time.
0: <laughs> and so, what sort of thing to just get in the boat with another partner? It for someone that doesn't know anything about rowing, that could seem well you both row. You you know what yeah. what's so difficult? W- what is maybe the sort of more nuanced side of it?
1: Um, so, I mean, for starters, we, I'd only ever really rode in the stroke seat. So, uh, the one in front, but at the back of the boat. (laughs) Um, and we had to change it around. So I was in bow and following Imogen. So that was a bit of an extra challenge on me. And then Imogen never really, I'm sure she went mind saying she'd not raced in the double particularly before that mostly just in the single so they're two very different boats like how they move getting to move together and it did not go fast from the off <laughs> like it wasn't terrible but it wasn't like it's not like we got in it and it was magic um so it was a very very intense six weeks like wasn't really sure what exactly was happening when we did qualify um i think uh i think this stress all came out um so we had to basically get through the semi-final so there's six boats in a final seven to qualify so if you're in that b final it's like the final of death like you've got to win yeah and it's like to the line and we were like oh god and we kind of breezed through the semi like i mean we came second to the dutch um but, like, the margins were big enough. It was, like, fairly comfortable. And I just remember <laughs> we got back into the landing stage and I just, like, went, <laughs> like, sobbing. It was just, I think, just such a massive relief because, for me, I think, as well, I it was sort of a something I'd almost been working on since 2017. Like, oh, I'm in the double now. Like, i been through all of this and, like, just so many things seem to just keep happening that... To so have actually finally done it was just a mass massive relief like job done, okay, right um yeah,
0: relief, pure joy, and then sort of just glad that you'd have, you'd had that achievement. Was that difficult to then deal with after, or was it just like let's keep going this is
1: um, it was interesting. we had like our pre-race talk before the final like, the night before, and Darren was like, ah, oh, you know, like you've done the job now like do what you want if you if you go out really hard and like lead it but then like blow with 500 to go that's fine it's all fine <laughs> and afterwards me and I just sat there and we went we just spent six weeks working on this race plan that's got us this far and we think that this race plan can win us a bronze so we're gonna do this race plan <laughs> and 500 meters in I was like ah, oh, we're gonna come fifth again <laughs> Oh. And then in the last ten strokes, we came through the French and the Romanians. <laughs> um, Amazing. Um, yeah, somehow, somehow, like snuck the bronze.
0: And and maybe sort of touching on that a bit more in terms of the importance of um, that relationship when you're when you're in a pair. What is that something that coaches look for maybe beyond? just the physical numbers that you're putting out is there quite a lot of technique in terms of how you row together and things like that that come into it or how you get on you know
1: um i mean i've i've never like not gotten with someone because i don't think that's very productive like as in um I mean in terms of like technically we're all coached the same technical model so in theory we should all be able to like row with whoever and it's fine and I, I've i always tried to approach it as I should be able to be put in a boat with anyone else in the lightweight women's team and be competitive in like a world cup final sort of thing and I think that encompasses like technically and also how you get on as a, a team like yeah but i'm not sure how much it comes into coaching decisions
0: the idea of having an elite athlete and putting mental health first do you think that's something that is possible to make sure to have mental health as the sort of the first thing that you're looking at and still have the success of a team or an athlete um over whatever sport it is? Or do you think it's something that will always have some sort of a detriment because of the nature of of sport?
1: Um, I mean, I feel like I've never had to hide if I'm struggling with my mental health. I think I might be quite lucky and unique in that, by the sounds of it. Um, but then like, because especially as a wider team, like the lightweight women's squad were kind of quite far removed from all the, like the main goings on. Um, I think that's definitely helped, but then equally, maybe my mental health has never deteriorated enough for it to really have so much of an impact that my selection needs to be called into question. So I guess it's quite... A difficult one for me to answer with like the experience that I've had um I mean I mean personally like if I know I'm struggling like so like the checklist I'll be like right what am I going to do I'm going to go see my friend in London I'm going to organize going to a gallery I'm going to set up like we have counseling sessions with the counselor that we can access I'm going to set up seeing Linda I'm going to set up um gonna i don't know for example like chat to mark hunter who i've spoken to a few times if i'm like struggling a bit with with darren <laughs> um, <laughs> in a good way um like there's kind of all of these things that i can do and i can like tell people that i'm doing and i'm in control of it and like it's all fine like nobody's gonna turn around and be like oh well why are, you, why are you seeing a counsellor why do you feel you need that like nobody's going to do that they're like okay that's what you need go on go on and do it and then because I did have such a low point in 2017 2016 2017, I think going through that okay maybe it did start affecting my performance but my performance and where I was as an athlete in the squad like didn't have enough of an impact for anybody to notice or care <laughs> which sounds awful but it's kind of how it was but going through that and having it not really have to affect me directly in a way and then going through that and being like well I never want to feel like that again like I am never letting that happen to me what am I going to do to prevent it has meant that I'm kind of in a slightly more privileged physician where i know what i'm doing do you think sometimes people think
0: of going through depression or just a really bad time that it's like they're doing something wrong and they often it can be maybe from an outsider or from the individual themselves thinking i'm doing something wrong here um and instead of realizing that it's something that basically you know most people will go through at some point of time so just acknowledging it and as you say going through those checklists or un- finding someone to talk to to understand what you would need to help go through that process and sort of realizing as you you sort of said that it's okay to feel like that and it's not you're suddenly failing
1: yeah it's like the difference between it's basically like it's normal, it's kind of normal to feel like that, but it's also like you don't have to feel like that. It's the kind of, yes, it's normal, but just because it's normal doesn't mean you have to feel like that way. Mm. You you don't, like there's a a difficult line where it's like, oh, you know, every, everybody goes through depression at some point, like, yes, I'm, like they do. It's like a massive issue, but just because you are depressed it doesn't it shouldn't define you it shouldn't be how you feel like you shouldn't have to just live with it like you can change it um and for me like i treat my mental health like a bit like my physical health in that, like i don't want to be injured i don't want to get depression again so like i work on both of them and i'm quite diligent with both of them and making sure that they're like like i'm on top of it
0: and are those sort of structures that you go through in a week in terms of with your mental health the same way you might be like i'm gonna go to the gym and i'm gonna do cardio or is it more sort of if you're feeling something you go through that checklist
1: it's more like if i'm feeling something so if i'm like getting to a weekend and i'm like oh crap i'm not like i'm at home on my own all weekend that's not really where i want to be like okay right do I want to organize something midweek? Do I want to do something next weekend? Do I need to like do something now? Like, do I need to call someone? Do I need to like, it's more, it's slightly more reactive in a way. Um, but then I guess like when I go and get physio, that's slightly reactive. Um, whereas like my like robustness exercises that I do in the gym are the pre- preventative stuff. So I guess jigsaw puzzles, the like flute, like they're all the like, um like preventative measures that I try and like have in my daily life I mean it takes it takes a lot of time and work to work out like what exactly works for you and for me sometimes one thing might work and actually the next week it might not work so well um and it's kind of having a bit of perspective and being a bit relaxed with it definitely definitely helps um I mean one thing I've always I mean I've never I've always been quite like I don't ever want to have to like take medication or anything like that so i guess that's more of a an incentive to make sure i'm on it myself as Mm -hmm. well
0: you you've gone through periods of depression and you've gone through this whole sort of process of understanding yourself and, and you now have a really strong grasp and you said you've been very open about it and that's helped you do you think it's something that you know people in general but athletes even just entering it, even if they don't have uh, any sort of inkling to themselves of any mental health issues, but just to maybe have an idea of maybe three or four things that they could either do in a week or daily that starts to build up that preventative side of...
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I mean... It, it definitely would help. And I think it also makes you more robust, like say, say we do go into another lockdown. Like, how are you going to make sure, like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to find, if we go into another one, a lot harder to deal with. Um, So actually, putting things in place so that you know that you're prepared for if that does happen. And like, like you said, even if you're sort of feeling fine, just having a bit of a like, step back and be like, oh, what? what is it that gives me a little bit of a boost in my day like I mean I know everyone talks about headspace and the meditation stuff it's not for me probably because my mum pushes it on me so I'm like no (laughs) no I'm not interested um but I mean like stuff like that I think is just so easy to just bring in and get into the habit of doing
0: thank you for listening If you would like to see the portraits from this week's episode, please go to findingspace.cc. For more interviews like this, please subscribe to the Finding Space podcast.